Okay, welcome to Benefits of Bread, or you could also call it uh, Bread the Perfect Human Food, or you could call it Bread the Best Survival Food. But let's start with prayer. First of all, Lord, great and, mar great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And all of this is at your hand, for your glory, for your people. Lord, I ask you to help me say the right words. Don't let me say the wrong words. Help the people to understand what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm calling it Benefits of Bread. As you recall, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and I think that there was a hint to that, that Jesus is what we feed off of, and he's saying that because possibly bread is what he's designed for us to eat. So let's start with how I got started grinding wheat flour. So I got a, uh, an email. Someone said, you need to go watch this video. So I started watching it. It was 45 minutes long. So I emailed him back and I said, it's 45 minutes long. Can you tell me the place I should go to to start? He just said, watch the whole thing. So I said, all right, fine. So I started skipping through it. Well, a couple of things the lady said caught my attention. So I started watching it. And it wasn't too long and I was hooked and I had to go back and watch the whole thing. Now, since then, I've learned a lot more about bread and we're going to talk about that tonight because I really believe that as of September 6th of 2021, the world just went into seven years of famine, so it's very important for us to understand the importance of bread. So where did it all start? It used to be when they first discovered the value of grinding wheat berries. That's what they call them. They don't call them wheat seeds. They call them wheat berries. This is the way it used to be done. And then they modernized a little bit, and then they started grinding wheat like this. And of course, then it came up to wheat. There were big wind-powered grain mills, and a lot of the roads that have the word mill in it, or mill road, is really talking about this is where they ground wheat. So today, this is the way we do it. On the left is a coffee pot to show you the size of this. This is what I'm talking about right here. This is the quick, easy way to grind wheat berries into flour. We're going to cover that. First of all, how did I discover the benefits of this wheat? So I, I, I ordered this stuff. I thought, I'll try it. And I started eating wheat bread, and I discovered that, wow, there's a lot to it. First of all, it gave me more energy. I play racquetball. I've been playing racquetball, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years. And I tried just about every kind of potion and lotion and pill and fire me up, get me going, sports drink, and nothing worked as good as bread. And I discovered this because I was hungry. I was about to head out to racquetball, so I grabbed a couple of slices of this whole wheat bread, and I ran like the wind. But it was not just that I ran and it gave me more energy. It literally gave me more strength. Even some of the other guys were saying, man, you played really good tonight. I thought, man, I, I felt good. I felt like I was 20 years old. It was not that I didn't begin to discover that it actually was giving me strength. In other words, bread gave me more strength to run, actually little strength in what I was doing. Literally, I felt like I was 20 years old again. And of course, now, anytime I go play racquetball, it's at least a slice of bread, preferably two. I really felt the difference. I also noticed that I was sleeping deeper. I remember when I was a teenager, you know, <laughs> sleep eight, nine, ten hours, <laughs> really deep, and it seemed like the whole evening passed like 60 seconds, almost no, no, no thought of time. Lay down, next morning, it's here. It's not that deep, but it's deeper. That is, unless I have a slice of bread after about five or six o'clock. It's not like coffee. It's just that, well, like Leslie said the other day, I guess about 5 o'clock, she said, you want a slice of bread? I'll make you a slice of bread. She says, no, it keeps me up at night. It's not like it's a caffeine high. It's not like my heart's pounding. It's just I've got strength. I've got energy. It's, 
It's hard to explain. It's a deep energy, not like drinking caffeine or not like taking a sports drink or not like taking a B12 pill or something like that. Heart and pound is just that literally I felt stronger. If I eat about three or four slices a day, it's fine as long as the fourth slice is not any later than four or five o'clock. If so, then it might be 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning before I get to sleep. I also noticed that as long as I have about one slice a day, generally two, when I do get hungry, or like for example, if I have a slice in the morning, 7, 8 o'clock, it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon before I, I get hungry again. And then when I do get hungry, it's not like, I'm hungry, feed me now! It's more like, hey, kind of getting hungry. You know, it's more of a, a, a gentle nudge. I've also noticed I don't seem to get sick as often. It seemed like before I was always taking all kinds of pills and potions and lotions. Being 68 years old, you know, as, I, as I've nudged more into the latter years, I noticed I have to take more supplements to keep me healthy. I've noticed since I've started eating bread, I feel stronger there, too. I, I don't seem to get sick as often. And it's, it's, it's more like it's, instead of a boom, like it's a, a dive when I do get sick, it's more like, uh, right back up. I also noticed I had got probably the last two years, I'd got into using hand cream when I'd never used it before. Now, if you're not old enough to notice this, then it doesn't mean much, but my my hands were starting to get wrinkled, like, well, I'll just say it, they were getting wrinkled, like old person hands, and I was putting on hand, hand cream all the time. I was putting on a couple of times a day, try to keep my hand, now, I, I, I don't even think about putting hand cream on, and the wrinkles have gone away. Why? Because bread is chock full of vitamin E, which your skin loves, and someone said the other day, you don't look 68 years old. So I went to the, the mirror and I thought, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but hey, I'll take the compliment. But vitamin E is what your skin feeds on. It needs vitamin E. And I don't even feel a need for hand cream anymore. So there's my benefits of, of, of eating bad. I've also noticed... I still get back pain from time to time. Love to say it's all gone away, but it's a lot better. It's, a lot, it's not as deep, it's not as hard, and yeah, bend over, stretch a little bit, goes away. The lady in the video said that she had a lady come to her, said, I don't want to do. My, my daughter has like 300 warts on her, and she told her that some people had noticed that when they started eating bread, the warts went away, so she got her daughter eating this bread, and within two weeks, the 300 warts were all gone. They didn't fall off, they just went away. Well, I had a wart right there. Now, <laughs> this is probably not the way to get rid of warts, but I would just <laughs> take a pair of scissors and just cut it off even down to the point where it would bleed sometimes. It's not totally gone, but I can just barely feel it. It's like it's gone into remission. I don't have to trim it anymore. Now, a wart is a virus. And I got it from touching a, a frog about, I don't know, 15 years ago. So my theory is, if it's good at getting rid of warts, which is a virus, what other viruses is it getting rid of that I don't even know. Maybe that's the reason I notice I'm not getting as sick as often. Um, I'd like to be able to say that I've noticed that my blood pressure has dropped. I think it's, it's dropped a little, but not a whole lot. But I think more than anything, I feel just, I feel better. I feel stronger. I feel like, Okay, I, I was at home. Leslie called me. She says, okay, do you want me to stop by? And she named off a couple of restaurants, which is, you know, I, I love to have something from the, brought to me from the restaurant. I said, no, 
I'll just have some bread. And I began to realize, really, my body is craving bread. It's like, I'd almost rather have a slice of bread than anything. I'm not doing the ice cream thing <laughs> or the cookie thing. I really don't want it. My body says, no, just give me bread. That's what I want. You got to be kidding. Bread? Yes, that's what I want. I can feel it. I can hear it in my body. My body is screaming for bread. Give me bread. Give me bread. <laughs> uh, four slices is typically the maximum. One or two slices every day is almost the minimum. So you might be saying, okay, well, if bread is so good, then why did people start removing the bran and the germ from the wheat? A good question. Story is, prior to the 1900s, Wheat was ground locally, but it would spoil, and it still does. If you grind just the wheat to flour in a week or two, it starts spoiling. Well, they discovered in 1860 that if you take the wheat germ and the shell away till you just have the nice white wheat, that doesn't spoil as often, and it'll keep for a long, long time. So guess what? They said to them at that day, it was more important to have it not spoil than it was to have the nutrition because they'd always had the nutrition. They just figured that it wasn't really lo losing any nutrition. Guess what? Wrong. So they began removing the bran and the wheat. What they did not discover for a while, it was also removing some very, very important nutrients. And of course, since now, they didn't have to grind it by hand. They didn't have to have the big windmills grind it. They could just have it all professionally done. And we can just have the white flour. Of course, the windmills went away. And then also the health, health, the health benefits went away. But of course, mankind overlooked the health benefits leaving for a while until finally, well, what started happening? They had nice fluffy bread, but they didn't have the nutrients. Instead, what happened is health issues started coming up. Americans started getting all sorts of problems, and I'm not going to mention all of them. One of them is they started getting all kinds of colon problems, stuffy nose, ear infections, some directly related to bread that they were eating, as in specifically the ingredients they were not getting that they used to get. For example, bread, vitamin, uh, bread is actually high in vitamin E, which is needed for cell protection. Uh, it also fights viruses and colds and flu. Uh, there's also something called pellagra, which is a vitamin B1 deficiency. Guess what that causes? Nervous disorder. What about our kids today? Have we seen over the process of the last few generations the generational kids come down with nervous disorders, you know, ADHD, and all sorts of problems like that. And of course, they're now giving them pharmaceuticals to fix it. Pellagra is a disease caused by low levels of niacin. So what did they do? Well, they passed laws. Now you've got to put niacin in B vitamins. Why not just go back to eating the original bread like God made it? That's what they should do. So in 1948, they, uh, according to sharecare.com, they required them to start putting in niacin, thiamine, riverflan, uh, iron, folate, all mandatory as all what they call it now enriched flour and flour products. My question is, why did just eat it the way God intended it instead of having to purify it? And <laughs> besides that, these days. Why not just grind your own, make your own flour, which is what I'm about to talk about here. And there's some more details there we'll sketch. So, what if many of our children's mental disorders are actually from not eating bread, which God has actually given to us to eat? Constipation. They say that death begins in the colon. One of the things that bread brings is it cleans the colon. Now, I've, I've, I've been debating in my heart whether I want to say this thing or not. But what keeps coming to me is, Stan, do you want to tell people of something that could help them to avoid something really, really bad? Or you, you want to avoid talking about something that might be a little embarrassing? 
I decided it's better to go ahead and tell you. So generally once or twice a year, I will do at least a three-day fast, sometimes a five or a six or seven-day fast. And when I would get into these fasts, now it didn't used to be 20 or 30 years ago I had this problem. But for the last three or four years, it's been a problem. Generally, about 48 to 50 hours into the fast, I would get a diarrhea. And I mean, it was a powerful diarrhea, and it was a lot, and I realized that it was basically undigested food in my gut. And I, I kept saying, well, you know, I don't understand, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I could raise my shirt show you. I, I, I don't. I don't have. I don't. I, I can't pinch an inch. I don't have extra fat here. So what you got sticking out? Well, my guess is it's still a little bit of undigested food. So one of the things I noticed when I started eating whole wheat bread, and that has that wheat shell in it, what that wheat shell does is act like a scouring brush as it went through my my colon and it cleaned out the garbage that was left there. Now, apparently in my early days, it got digested or moved out somehow. But anyway, in my later days, <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, I'm not a doctor on this, I'm just telling you what I've observed, it got cleaned it out because those of you who follow our ministry know that back in September, we called for a three-day fast. Well, I was expecting the diarrhea to come on about 48 to 50 hours into the, to, to the, the fast, and it did come on, but just a little bit. Meaning, now I've got, had two fasts like that. Same thing happened. In other words, I think what was happening is the bread was cleaning like a white tornado. <laughs> the bread was cleaning me out. Now, why? If I'm 30 years old, yeah, maybe that's important. But in that I'm 68 years old, that's very important. For one thing, it keeps this from getting... <laughs> bigger <laughs> because I'm carrying around a bunch of undigested food. I don't have belly fat, so whatever's sticking out shouldn't be sticking out, right? Okay, it shouldn't just, okay, maybe I need to do more setups, but I do setups most every day. Uh, stomach, crump, stomach crunches, anyway. So the point is, I believe that bread is cleaning me out better. That's another benefit. I also find myself going to the bathroom more often because there's things in bread that apparently God knew that we needed to have in our system to clean it out. There's three parts to a piece of bread, to, to a wheat berry. The bran, or what you would call is the, uh, the shell. Then there's the germ, or if you likened it to an egg, it would be like the, the egg yolk. And then the endosperm is what you'd liken it to be the white. So when you eat white bread, it's like eating egg whites. I remember my mom used to make lemon meringue pie. And that white stuff they put on the top, well, that's basically beaten up egg whites, which is basically nothing. And so when you eat white bread, that's basically what you're doing. You're eating bread whites, kind of like egg whites, which is basically nothing. <laughs> it's just what's supposed to feed the, the wheat when it first starts growing. When white bread is made, in the first 24 hours, it loses roughly 45% of its nutrients. 72 hours later, about 90% of its nutrients. I remember reading someplace back there that they found wheat berries in some of the pyramids. They planted them, and they grew. So the wheat berries, 3,000 years old, still grew, meaning that it, it is designed to stay in storage for a long time. I think what I'm trying to say is it may be that wheat berries is God's perfect survival food, or wheat berries are God's perfect long-term storage food because it doesn't go bad as long as it's still in the berry form. It's not until we break it in from the berry form down into the powder form that it begins to spoil. In other words, wheat berries don't spoil unless they get humidity 
or bugs or rats or mice. That's wheat's big three enemies. Keep those things away. I can't say for sure it's going to last forever, but <laughs> long time. Let's put it that way. Now let's talk about wheat in the Bible. Now, this lady in this video I was watching, she mentioned a couple of things which got me researching. So I did my own research, and I found some amazing things about bread. Actually, it's talked about in the Bible a lot. We'll start back in Genesis. Genesis 1.11. God said, let the bring forth the earth bring forth grass, herb, yielding seed. That's what wheat is. 129 says, behold, I've given you every herb bearing Seed, that's what wheat berries are. They're seed, and they are for meat. Now, is he saying that it's supposed to replace meat, or is he simply saying that it's supposed to be the primary thing we're supposed to be eating? I don't think that wheat is supposed to replace meat, but I can tell you that my desire to eat meat has pretty much left. I mean, I don't mind eating meat. I still like meat. But it's not like I feel like I need to have it. I mean, we just had our son-in-law fix us a wonderful prime rib meal. And it was great. Loved it. But uh, it doesn't, didn't, how do I say, it didn't seem to feel, feel all of the empty cavities in me that bread does. Are you saying you'd rather have bread than prime rib? Uh, sort of. <laughs> it's that good. Okay, on to the next one. Genesis 3.19. In the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread. Okay? That's kind of God saying bread, and when it's talking about bread specifically, it's not talking about rice, not talking about barley. It's talking about wheat. So in a way, that's sort of saying, humans, I've desired and designed and organized it for you to eat bread as your primary source of food. I never saw that before. Genesis 25, 39, And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. Both of those are seeds. Both One is wheat, one is lentils. But I think it's interesting that bread was the first one mentioned. Judges 8, 4, Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray thee, lo loaves of bread. So these are people that are faint, that are about to go into war. What'd they give them to fight? What'd they give them to before they go play racquetball? Bread, because it gives us strength. I mean, literally, I feel more strength. If I'm going to go lift weights, give me bread. <laughs> Not some of the fancy sports drinks or the powders or the pills or even injections. Give me bread before I go lift weights. What? True. Matthew 6, 8 to 16, 8. When Jesus had perceived, he had said unto them, O oh, you little faith, why reason you among yourselves? You, because you have no, you have not, <laughs> let me try it again. Why reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. So here, Jesus is referring to bread primarily as the primary source of food for the people. It goes on to say, Basically, do you not remember that I fed the 5,000 with five loaves? I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves? Do you not remember that? So why didn't he bring out prime rib? <laughs> Too expensive. <laughs> or maybe it's because the primary thing that people ate in that day, and maybe the primary thing we're supposed to be eating every day is bread. Not barley, not rice, not beans, not even lentils. Bread, the primary thing throughout the Bible, the primary food it talks about is wheat bread. John 6, 47. Verily, rather say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Why did Jesus call himself the bread of life? See, we're supposed to eat Jesus. Remember he said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life, don't have any life in you. So he's referring himself as bread because if we eat him, then we have eternal life. He is eternal life. Why do he say bread? Could it be that bread is, again, the primary thing we're supposed to be eating? He likened himself to the primary thing humans are supposed to be eating, as in bread. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. 
This is the bread which come down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. Why is he likening himself to bread? Probably because that's the primary thing we're really supposed to be eating. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Now, I understand what it's saying. It's saying you've got to accept Jesus and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Okay? There's another man under heaven where man might be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. I understand all that. But indirectly, behind the scenes, is it hinting that bread is the primary thing we're supposed to be eating? Well, throughout all of these, once I started eating bread, all of a sudden my eyes were open and I began to see that there's a secondary hidden meaning. The reason he's talking about bread is because in his days, that is the primary thing that most people ate. Probably, though it doesn't say it exactly and directly, that's the primary thing God directed for all of us to eat. Matthew 13, 25, But you men slept, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Why does he call us wheat? See, those people that are blood-bought and blood-washed, he calls us the wheat. And the people that sat among us in the pews, he calls them tares. What's the difference? Well, when wheat grows up, by the way, you can't tell the difference between the tares and the wheat. Now, tares, when they're growing up, they grow right next to the wheat. They look just like the wheat. You can't tell the difference between a wheat. I spent a lot of years in Kansas. Can't tell the difference between wheat and a tear until the harvest. Because the tear stands straight up because it has no fruit. Its seeds are a little bitty, little bitty. But the seeds on the wheat are heavy and so they bend over. So the farmer looking out into the wheat field can easily spot the tares in the time of harvest. And what he does is, first thing he does is go out and he pulls all of the tares out. Why does he not want a tear in there? Because those little bitty tear seeds, they're extremely bitter. If you get one little tear seed in your wheat, I can pick it up and show you what it looks like. I'll show you. All of a sudden, your bread turns very bitter. It's worthless. You can't eat it. So there can't be any tears in it. Yet he calls us the wheat. Why does he call us the wheat? Why didn't he call us barley? Why didn't he call us rice or lentils? Because the primary thing we're supposed to be eating is wheat. He sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But he said, hey, lest we gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into the barn. The wheat being gathered into the barn is, behold, I saw another, I saw a great tabernacle come down from heaven, and I heard a great voice saying, Behold, the temple of God is with man. Okay, because that's the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Matthew 4 4. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every reward that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, before I ate bread, I saw that, and I thought, Well, that's saying, Well, you got to believe the Word of God. You got to know the Word of God. And it is saying that. But is it also hinting that bread is the primary thing we're supposed to eat? Matthew 4, 4 says basically the same thing, that man shall not live by bread alone. Throughout the scriptures it refers to bread, not lentils, not rice, not beans, not primary <laughs> bread. The food God gave man. Is that really the thing we're supposed to be eating? I suspect so. I can't prove that, but I suspect so. Now let me talk about the prophecy of two cows. The story here is, it may be a prophecy. If it's a prophecy, it's saying that there's seven years of famine, and those years of the Pharaoh may be getting repeated. So let's go back through the Pharaoh. Do you recall this story? Genesis 41.1, it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by a river. Behold, there came out of the river seven well-favored kine, or cattle. Behold, seven other cattle came up after them out of the river, and they were ill-favored. So you got so seven very fat, seven very ill-favored, or lean. Then he said he saw another dream. He said he saw seven ears, seven really good ears of corn, and then seven really blasted or no good ears of corn. 
he didn't understand the dream. So what did he do? Did he call the man of God? No, he called all of the soothsayers, all of the people that, uh, of the devil's crowd. None of them could interpret. So what did he finally have to do? Finally, he called Joseph, the man of God. Joseph interpreted him. He says, okay, the dream of Pharaoh, the two dreams are one message. Because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So he gave two dreams, but he gave one message. And it basically said there's going to come, verse 29, there'll come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt. Then after that, there'll be seven years of famine. Verse 32 says, And for that dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it's because the thing is established, let a thing be established, by God. Seven years of good, and then there'll be seven years of famine. And he says, what happened was, verse 55 we'll read, And when all the land of Egypt was famished, famished, the people cried unto Pharaoh for bread. Now, what was it they stored up? Was it lentils? Was it prime rib? <laughs> no, it was wheat. So for seven years, wheat fed the world. Then, September 25th of 2014, there were two cows born. One was born the day before, but it wasn't released until September 25th of 2014. The other one was actually born on September 25th of 2014. Now, the interesting part of that, these two cows, is if you look at this one cow, you see it is black and white. You see that it has a pristine and a perfect typewriter seven right across the, the front of it. In that it's black and white, I think the interpretation is saying that there's a seven years of plenty coming, some will be blessed, some will not be blessed. Well, we understand that. But then the other cow was red. But it's not a beautiful, pristine seven. It's a scribbled seven right on his forehead. But notice that the cow is red. When your books are in the red, what does that mean? That means that your business is in trouble. So the interpretation is, if it's a prophecy, is that there's seven years of plenty, that will follow by seven years of famine. Now, why is that important? It's because the date, let's go back and look at the date. This happened September 25th of 2014. So, what is 25th, September 25th, 2014? That just happens to be a Shemitah. What's Shemitah? Well, Shemitah is seven. This date only happens once every seven years. So in that they were both released to the public, one born on that day, one born the day before, but they were both released to the public on a Shemitah, I believe it's a prophecy. If it is a prophecy, the prophecy is saying starting September the 6th, because that's seven years later, which by the way is the Feast of Trumpets, which by the way is the day I believe the, the uh, Feast, or the, the, on the Feast of Trumpets is the day that the tribulation starts, Seven years later, exactly 2,520 days later, exactly, Jesus will return on the Feast of Trumpets, which is a Shemitah, okay? So in that, they were released on a Shemitah. If it's a prophecy, and I believe it is a prophecy, it's saying that starting September the 6th of 2021, there are seven years of famine. Now, when I put this out on Prophecy Club, a lot of people thought, <laughs> a lot of people thought, Eh, uh, yeah, well, maybe it's a prophecy, maybe it's not a prophecy. But what have we seen since February or since September 6, 2021? What have we seen? We're seeing all kinds of problems with shipping. We've got a ship uh, out on the West Coast that can't seem to get unloaded. There's all kinds of problems with our transportation, and then there's the, the pandemic and all of that sort of stuff. All kinds of problems. And it sort of kind of all started right after September 6, 2021. So, the prophecy may be saying seven years of plenty started September 25th, 2014. Seven years of famine started September the 6th of 2021. Now, if it's a prophecy, then all of a sudden we better start thinking twice about what we need to do to prepare. The interpretation would be seven years of plenty started September 25th. Seven years of famine started September 6th, 2021. So, I began to look up about all of this long-term storage food. If you look at these, you see the prices at the bottom, 3100 2800 2300 all of those is food for one person for one year. Here's some other ones. This is 4700 5700 
and 1,600, one person, one year. Here's two people, one year, $9,000, $6,000. Here's other ones, uh, this is like one person, one month, 600, three persons, one person, three months. So you can see what it says. Around eight to $10,000 for two people for one year. That's what it costs most of these places that are offering survival food. What we're saying is bread is not only probably the best thing to eat, but it is definitely, I believe it's God's survival food based upon the whole world lived off of wheat for seven years in the time of Joseph. So if you take a loaf of bread, let me grab one here. Uh, this is a loaf of bread. I'm about to demonstrate how to make it. It takes me 10 minutes to make this. If you slice this into 14 slices, one slice in the morning, one slice about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can live off of bread. You can live off of bread as the only thing you eat. Now, that would be in a survival mode. A person probably want to have more than that, maybe even three or four slices a day, especially if they're working really hard. But I'm saying that one slice a day is, excuse me, one slice in the morning, one slice in the evening, two slices a day is enough, in theory, to survive. So two slices a day makes one loaf per week per person, right? Two slices daily, one loaf per person, per week per person. Or one slice for breakfast, one slice for dinner. Probably better nutrition, long-term storage, 3,000 years, 10 minutes to make, plus a bread machine, which I'm about to show you. But the weakness is electricity. You have to have electricity to take it from wheat berries into the wheat flour. The worst case is you could grind it up, or the worst case, if you, couldn't, if you didn't have electricity, you could just add water and let it grow into wheatgrass and eat it like that. Of course, Jesus, as you recall, talked about breaking bread. Well, the reason that is is because they ground the bread, the wheat berries, into flour. They mixed some oil with it, and they cooked it like that. So it was kind of like having a cracker. But it's food. In a time of starvation, it's better than nothing. So one loaf, 14 slices, equals food for one person for one week. Normally, you buy wheat in 50-pound sacks. It arrives in a brown paper sack. What's wrong with that? Well, I was asked, there's several problems wrong with that. One is it absorbs humidity, and that's one of wheat's enemies. If it gets too humid, then it starts to uh, rot and have all sorts of problems like that. Not only that, but wheat and, I mean, the, the rats and the mice can get into it and bugs. So what we do is put the 50-pound bag of wheat into a seven-gallon bucket. And the reason we do that is because a five-gallon uh, five bucket is not big enough. Can you see what I'm saying here? Can, you, can they see that over here? Okay. It's not big enough. It only holds about 42 pounds, whereas a, a seven-gallon bucket holds exactly 50 pounds. Another reason, another way I think we're beating the other competition is most of the other ones have what we call gamma lids. You spin it like this, you can open it up. Problem is this fancy lid costs 10 bucks and you can also spill it. Whereas what we do is put it with a pour spout lid. All you have to do is open, you pull up on the spout, you open it up and then this is white so I'm actually gonna pour some here just to show you. This is my white wheat, which I'll show you in a second. This is how you can pour it. Now this is almost 50 pounds, as you can tell, it's almost full. But you can see it pours right out, just like that. And then put the lid back on, three turns and you're good to go. If you want to put it down in there, you can. You don't have to. Inside here, we put, uh, when it's shipped to you, we put three of these oxygen absorbers, which pulls the oxygen out. So if there is any bugs in there, hopefully it kills them. We also add bay leaves because bugs don't like bay leaves. While rats and mice can eat through even metal, they're probably not going to bother this. 
We don't recommend you put it in the attic or something like that. We recommend you put it in a climate controlled place, probably inside your home where you're not going to have to worry about mice and rats and you want to keep it uh, in a climate controlled area. But this is 50 pounds. Each one of these, so two of these feeds one person one year. I'll say it again. Two of these feeds one person for one year. It makes, each one of these makes 28 loaves. So two of these would make 56. Did I do my math right? 56. 52 weeks in a year. So two of these in a survival situation could feed one person for one year. Now this is a hot plate and I'm putting a thermometer in it and yes you want to do this. Now, I can already tell you it's going to go up to 180 degrees because that's the temperature of the hot plate. So I'm going to take it off the hot plate here for just a minute to let it cool down just a little bit. Yeah and it's hitting 180 degrees. So the first thing we do is we take salt now this is real salt, and if you're used to your normal Morton salt, I'm not trying to beat upon Morton's, but if you're used to that kind of salt, you're in for a treat. This tastes so much better than that normal it pours salt. The reason that pours is because they uh, purify it and they, they cook it. So it's crystalline. And, of course, it doesn't have any sand in it. But this is natural salt, so it has sand in it. So what I'm going to do is pour a little salt. I want to get... The recipe calls for uh, a whole teaspoon. I don't like that much salt in it. So this is about half a teaspoon. And I put it in, in this water. It's a cup and a half of water. I'm going to show you... By the way, I'm, I'm showing the men how to make this. For a woman, it's going to be a snap but I'm going to show you how to make it easy for the men, okay? So anyway, I, I pour it in here. That's about a half a teaspoon into the water, and I spin it. The reason is is because inside that salt, there's sand. Inside natural salt, it has sand, so no big deal. But we don't want the sand in our bread because then we're eating bread, and it, as we, our teeth bite down on it, it grinds through our teeth, and before long we don't have any teeth. So we want to get the sand out. In the bottom, in the center right now, there's a little bitty dot of pink sand. We don't want that in our bread. So this is a four-cup beaker, and I'm going to pour my cup and a half of water. By the way, on the beaker, I've already marked, put a magic marker mark. That's a cup and a half. That's a third cup. That's another third cup. So rather than, rather than using a lot of cups that you have to wash, I'm lazy. I don't like washing, so I just make one cup dirty instead of three or four things. So I'm going to pour this water into the beaker. I'm going to leave the sand in the small beaker, and it stays there, not a problem. So now no sand is in our mixture. Now I'm going to check my temperature again because we want the temperature. We do not want it to hit 140 degrees because that's the temperature that eggs begin to coagulate. We don't want that. So we want it to be somewhere between uh, at least 100, 120, 130, that's okay. We don't want it to hit 140. So right now it's uh, measuring at about 100, 100 degrees. That's good. And it'll go up here in just a second. Now I'm going to put my one-third cup of olive oil. When I first started, I followed the recipe and I put it in here. That meant I've got something else to wash. I don't want to wash it. So I'm going to pour it in here. I've got to see my marks there. I'm looking at my marks. I'm going to pour a third cup. And by the way, if the bread seems a little... Uh, dry to you, that might be because you should put more oil in it. And it might also be telling you maybe you need to realize you're not eating meringue bread, white bread anymore, and whole bread tastes better, and it is food, and so all you need to do is just chew it longer. Let it become 
move from dry to becoming soft and, how do I say, swallowable. So just chew longer. Chew longer. It's not that big a deal. Now, we're supposed to, the recipe calls, it's 105 degrees right now. Recipe calls for a third cup of wheat, or a third cup of honey. So now we're going to add a third cup of honey, and it comes up to the next mark. Why do we want honey? We want it to taste good, but also the yeast likes honey. You're not making bread, you're growing yeast. Let me say it again. That's an important point. You're not making bread, you're trying to grow yeast. Yeast doesn't like cold. Let me explain between a good loaf and a bad loaf. I made both these loaves last night. And by the way, Leslie has not made one thing. She hasn't touched it. She says, no, this is your project. And I say, okay. So what's the difference between the loaves? These loaves have exactly the same ingredients, done exactly the same way, except this loaf, the nice-looking, the large loaf, had two eggs in it. This one over here looks like the moon craters. Now, it still tastes just the same. It still cuts just the same. It's still edible. It's still good. It's just not as nice and fluffy. So it means when you go to eat it, it's not going to be as soft. That's the only difference. So what does that mean? The recipe, the first recipe I got, didn't call for eggs, but yeast likes eggs. It likes protein. It likes warm. It doesn't like cold. So now we're up to 120 degrees. So I'm going to take it off my hot plate because I don't want to get anywhere close to 140. So we're at 130 degrees. Now I'm going to stir it. I'm mixing up my oil, the water. As you know, oil and water doesn't like to mix, but that's okay. And also the honey. I'm going to check my temperature. So now it says it's 120. Okay, that's perfect. 100, 120, even 130, that's okay. Not 140. So I put in salt. I took out the sand. I put in oil, a third cup. I put in a third cup of honey. Now, I need to put in two eggs. Now, these are farm eggs from one of our congregation members. And sometimes farm eggs aren't exactly perfect. So, I'm going to check the egg before I put it in. I've already got close-ups on this for you folks in the audience here. So, I'm breaking an egg. I'm looking at it, making sure I didn't get any shells in it. And that egg looks okay, so I'm going to pour it in. Now I'm doing the second egg, making sure that's okay. And it looks okay, so I'm pouring that one in. Now I've added two eggs. That's dropped the temperature down to 30, 25, down to a 120. I'm going to stir it to check the temperature again. It's staying at 120 degrees. And by the way, there's three packages. The first package is mechanicals. That's where you get the grinder, which I'm about to show you, and the bread machine. The second package are the ingredients. And in the ingredient package, we're going to include all of this. You get the, 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 the salt, you get oil, you get honey, all of the you get the yeast, you get the, all of this. We even send you a beaker and a thermometer. You get it all. You don't, now if you don't need that, then you can deduct that out of it. But I suggest you just go ahead and get the whole thing. So anyway, right now we're sitting at 120 degrees on the thermometer. And we have all of our liquid all put together. Now we're going to put that liquid. Let me check one more thing. See what our bread is looking like. Ah, bread's done. But I didn't bring any hot pads. That's one thing I forgot. I was going to put it in this other one, but I'm not. I'm going to change what I'm doing here. So I'm using paper towels for my fingers. So this is a hot loaf of bread, and that's plastic. I hope I don't melt that. So this is hot loaf of bread just out of the bread machine. Smell it? Smells good, doesn't it? 
I can let it cool there a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and use this guy because I'm going to make another loaf of bread. So now I'm going to pour this, even though this is hot, pour this in here. Now we go to the fun part. So I've got three loaves. These two perfect loaves. This <laughs> the moon crater. Still edible, okay? This is the one that's hot. When we're done here, we'll cut it in just a second. We'll cut it into pieces. All right, so anyway, now let's add the wheat. We're going to add the wheat to here. This is the red. This is the white. We put in the canister. Make sure that gets in there good. Then we turn it on, we let it spin up. We have three cups red, one cup white. One, two, three. That's three cups red, one cup white. The red makes it taste better. The white gives it more protein, which the yeast likes, which makes your bread nice and big. If you don't use it right, then you get one like this. So we don't want that. So you want to use three red, one white. Always hard wheat, not soft wheat. Soft wheat does not have the protein in it, and you get a tortilla. If you used all of this soft wheat, this would be half the size. Don't use soft wheat. So it's three hard, one white. Three hard red, one hard white. And it's just about done. Starts jumping up a minute, so I'm going to put the lid back on for a second. Let it spin up, get it all out, turn it off. There, 30 seconds, and I turned wheat berries into flour. And I'll show you the flour. Takes me 10 minutes to do this. I don't even have to look at the recipe anymore. I mean, I've done it to me. I probably made eh, 50 loaves now. So this is the wheat flour. It, it doesn't exactly look like flour from your store. It's a little darker, a little browner, but it's so much better. Better tasting, better for you. Okay, so I rotate that, gently put the flour in so it doesn't flop all over. Now, we're about done. So I make a little hole in the flour for the yeast. Again, we're trying to grow yeast, not just make flour. Our objective is to grow yeast. So then I take our precious yeast. And I put one, and for today, since it's a little cold outside, I'm going to add a little bit more. You want to have a full teaspoon, or tablespoon, full tablespoon of yeast. Then I gently cover over the yeast with the flour. Now it's level on top. Now I go to the lecithin. The lecithin makes it more soft and fluffy. So get a nice big tablespoon of lecithin, put it on top. We're done. All of that, and I'm ready to put it back in here. Probably it's going to say it's still hot because I just got one out. This pops in place like that. And then I push start. So I've got it pre-programmed. It says all oh, hot, but it'll, it's cooling down. It started. So there you go. All right, now. We've got a hot loaf of bread. Ah, well, one thing at a time. Let me show you how I cut it. So I bought this bamboo bread slicer. I could have taken it out of the box, but I wanted to show you everything I do. So this is 
everything I do. So now we've got a bread slicer. Locks in place. This particular one has small slices, medium slices, or wide slices. I mostly like the wide slices. So I'm going to put the, that's the cold one, the cold one. Here's the hot one. And then they put a little door on it like this, slam it up against the side of the door. And I've got two different knives. I like this one the best, surprisingly. And it cuts right through that bread. I mean, right now. And there's very few things in life that taste better than fresh, hot bread. You can see the steam. There it is. You put bread, or you put some butter on that. That's excellent. Excellent. Okay, so now, I suggest that you go to josephskitchen.net josephskitchen.net and it'll tell you all of the prices we're going to have basically three groups of people or three groups of, of, of offerings we have the mechanicals which is the grinder and the bread machine bread machine makes it easy because you just make it up go into the bread machine push start two and a half hours later you got a loaf of bread if you do it exactly right the loaf of bread looks like this or in this kind of a ballpark. If not, it looks like this, it's still edible. So I want to show you, okay, that's the difference. Eggs, no, no eggs, eggs. Or eggs, no eggs. Uh, anyway, the first one is uh, the mechanicals, which is the grinder and the bread machine. And we'll have several different kinds. Second thing is the ingredients. Yes, you can go buy olive oil, but the problem is a lot of people are unscrupulous. And they say it's olive oil, but it's not really olive oil. And it's not very pure. A lot of times it's from who knows what kind of nation out there. So what we're going to do is bring you good quality olive oil and also honey. Not all honey is equal. The, better, the, the darker the honey, the better it is. So we will offer you good quality honey. If you get this cheap stuff, the real light colored honey, there's no taste to it. It's like sweet, but there's no taste to it. We want to have good tasting bread, and you folks in the audience, you're going to get to be able to have a piece of this just seconds as we go off. So there's the mechanicals, then there's the ingredients in another package, and then there is the wheat. And I'm going to have a uh, place where you can click and just call the starter, send me the starter. And if it gets you, get you everything. We even will include bread pans. Now, that's important because when you get your bread made, if you leave it out, it dries out. If you put it into bread sacks, we're going to... This will be part of it too. We'll include bread sacks. Put it into a bread sack that will keep it from drying out. But if sun hits it, then it spoils faster. So you want to have a bread box to put it into a bread box. That's one. This is another side because you want to keep it dark and moist. So you keep it in a bread box. I slice mine. I give it a little while to cool down. Then I slice it. I put it in a bread box, and one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and I'm good. Sometimes I pig out, and I'll have three or four slices, but it's all very good. I think it is the perfect survival food. If you want to get food for two people, the minimum is food or, or wheat for two people one year. Two people one year, and that means you'll get four buckets like this. Four buckets feed two people for one year. Yes, you can get several additional years. And it comes in a bucket and 
they say it should last seven to ten years. We think it might even last more, like ten or fifteen, but we can't say that officially. 